It is not a bright and sunny day right now, but it has been all week here at Alika Hope and Change. I'm your host, Alika Hope, coming at you from rain. But my brother Emil is coming at you from some tropical locale. Where are you, Emil? So uh, I'm here in wonderfully rainforesty, howler monkey y <laughs> Costa Rica. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Emil is somewhere else now, Costa Rica. I'm not jealous. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this place is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It, amazing. I'm on the amazing. Caribbean coast. Um, okay. Near a, a, a city named Limon, which uh, famous because it has a heavy Jamaican presence. Uh, Jamaicans uh, were asked to, invited to come here to uh, support the banana plantations. They stayed mm -hmm. and built a community. So there's an expat Jamaican community. It's very robust here. It's beautiful. Uh, and the weather here is gorgeous. Uh, needless mm -hmm. to say, been on black sand beaches, been walking up and down uh, streets, eating good food, uh, some of the freshest food I've ever had. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. Wow. And how long are you there for? I'll be here uh, just a few more days. was mm -hmm. a total of a week uh, celebrating wow. Sophia's uh, birthday. So happy birthday, Sophia. Happy birthday, Sophia. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Sophia. Okay. That's all I got. It's the morning time. So if you hear, <laughs> if you hear me come back here again, yeah. Just know that I may have fallen in love with, and you know, I'm not a tropical kind of guy. I love my moderate, temperate I know. zones. I know. But I kind of fell in love with it here, so I may have to come back several more times. Wow. You know, there's a song. Okay, children, cover your ears. But there's a song you just reminded me of, and it was called... <laughs> It's called I'm in love with a stripper. Anyway, so I was just thinking about Costa Rica. You could say I'm in love Costa Rica. That's all I was going with that. Don't ask me y'all why I know a song called I'm in love with a stripper because I'm not going to answer that question. We weren't yep. going to ask Alika, but guilt yeah. did speak your speak its piece just now. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I got to chime in. Um, everyone's a T-Pain fan. Don't thank lie to you. yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Oh, I'm a T-Pain fan. Everybody likes T-Pain. Oh, 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 Do not thank lie you. to yourself. Jamie, I appreciate that. because T-Pain's the man. Yes. And and it just, you know, I just not everybody knows who T-Pain is. So I was like, if I just sing that one line out of the blue, people be like, what? what? Everybody knows who T-Pain is. Thank they may you not so know much. a T-Pain song, but they know T-Pain. Okay. If there's an True. app that's called Auto-Tune Me, by T-Pain, <laughs> everyone knows who T-Pain is. T-Pain's the man. Shout out to T-Pain. <laughs> it's out. like, it's out. like, no, I'm, I'm going to go back in time for a second. But um, okay, so I'll just, I'm just going to tell you all this. And, you know, someday, like 30 years from now, when I have grandkids, they'll be pulling these old digital podcasts. It's part of why I do this, you know, because it's kind of like Emil and me and Jamie's legacy, right? Because I don't have time to sit there and write a journal. But we got these podcasts. So I'll tell you a little story. So there's a song by Jay-Z. And it came out, I think, Jamie probably knows better than me, probably 2001. I know because I was a Jello shot girl in Manhattan making bank, um, just selling Jello shots to people in this dance bar um, around 14th, so down near NYU. 
And there's a song that came out, and it's Jay Z song. It starts like this: dun 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 dun. Come on, one of y'all knows that song. Oh, right? that's Big Pimpin'. Easy. Right. Yeah. So it would come on. Jeans. Okay, sorry. And it would come on. No, no, I just want to make sure everybody knows that riff. And I was like in New York City, Jello girl, showing off my legs, and that song come on, and I would be like. Big pimp, but like I just felt it, and I'm like, this is such a bad song, Alika. It's all about pimping, but you know what? I could not help it, and it just made my job. And I just, it's like one of those pump you up songs. Now I know my pump up song should have been Kirk Franklin. Let's not go there, but I, big pimping, come on, come on. There's a reason why Jigga is Jigga, right? Okay. So, the crowd goes silent. I don't got a what? What? No, no. You, ah! I, I'm just basking in the glow of how New York you just were right now. I mean, right? <laughs> I've been New York since I was two years yeah, old. N- yep. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just letting it happen. I'm, I'm just enjoying oh. it. I'm enjoying oh, the yeah. bask. It's, oh, like, it's like sitting on Manhattan hens and just watching the sun. That's what that was. Oh, well, let me just tell you another story here. So, you know, I mean, I remember my my, my mother will tell you this, too. Um, the, the first time I went to New York... Uh, I, I think I was, and you'll probably know too, I don't even know how it was in Oregon. And I was like, I'm moving to New York and I could barely like, you know, walk or whatever. I probably could walk, but I could barely read. And I knew I was going to move to New York City. And I don't know if I told this on the podcast before, I may have, I had an agent when I was first there, you know, make side hustles. I've been side hustling since I was probably 15. And I was a Bud Light girl in New York City. Yes, I was. And my claim to fame was in the, I think it was the 2002, 2001 Puerto Rican Day Parade, Mountain Dew hired me to be a Mountain Dew girl because I looked Puerto Rican enough and I spoke enough Spanish now. <laughs> <laughs> I walked the whole Puerto Rican Day Parade with the Mountain Dew float. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying that you're basking in my New York City because in my soul. What up, Mountain Dew? Look, look. Yes, I think you're paying my to, bills, Mountain Dew. I'm here to co-sign all of that. Yes. My sister has been in a New York state of mind and to, for, for 40 the last years. <laughs> umpty umpty years since, I mean, literally, like she was born in Portland. The soul escaped New York. I don't know why it came to Portland, but it did. And so she had oh, to move the body to back it. to where the soul came from. And when she met her people, New Yorkers, that's right. The world changed. I mean, I'm not kidding you. She was at home the very first time she was in New York. And I'm like, where did that come from? The soul escaped. It, Are you I don't serious? Know why. He never told me this before, y'all. I didn't know that. You, yeah, you came back talking about New York like you had lived there. Well, Oregon didn't appreciate a lot of things about me. I mean, shout out to me appreciating all the natural beauty of Oregon. But, you know, that's a whole other podcast episode. Oregon was kind of tough. Um, but New York was like... You're you, you belong, hello. It's like 9 million people who just are who they are. I mean, can you get any better than that? And I know a lot of people don't like New York City because there's so many people and it's dirty and it's loud, but like, it's a place where you can be you. And there's not a lot of places like that in this world. I heard Amsterdam's like that too. I haven't been to Amsterdam. I'm sure Emil has because he goes everywhere all over the world. But that he probably was in Amsterdam at some point when we were doing an episode. Hi, Emil. I think we should. Have you been to Amsterdam? I have. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Was it a place where you could be you? 
<laughs> I walked through Amsterdam. We walked through mm-hmm. Amsterdam mm-hmm. with the confidence of someone who had lived there many years, yes. just wandering freely, tram, metro. Um, obviously, you have all the canals that are in the city. It is an easily navigable city with by foot and um, yeah, yeah, I felt very at home in Amsterdam. And it's a very international city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, there are Dutch people who are, you know, they're very tall. So I, I felt know quite, that. Okay. quite at home. Yeah. Dutch As people- opposed to when you were in Japan and you, I think you either called me or you emailed me and you were like, everybody knows me here in Japan because everyone's shorter than me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was quite the opposite there. Uh, I signed a few autographs because people yeah, thought I was I an remember, NBA player. In the NBA, yep. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I sure did. <laughs> and I signed as me. I signed as me. Wow. I did, I did not sign as an NBA player unknown to them, but mm-hmm. they were like, can I have your autograph? I'm like, sure. So there is someone out there with my autograph thinking I was famous. And, you know, as we talk about autographs, I was wondering, is it against the law to sell someone's autograph in Japan? I don't know. That was just a random thing. I'm trying to transition us to what we can do after the break. After the break. When we come back after the break, about part two of changing the rules. So is it illegal to sell Emil Bryant's autograph in Tokyo? We'll be right back. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. We're back. And I'm just now Googling, is it illegal to sell autographs in Japan? And I cannot find the answer to that. But you know, I, I, that's okay. I, so I there, there's lots of things that are illegal in Japan. I don't okay. know that selling my autograph is one of them. All right. Well, it was my attempt at a transition. So what, what do you remember being illegal in Japan? Now, this was, you were there quite a while ago, because, right? It was when you yeah, were stationed is, that way. Yeah, that was almost 20 years ago to be, mm-hmm. Wow. It was 20, whoa, it was 20 mm-hmm. years ago. That's because you're my um, old, older brother. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, but it was fun because uh, the, one of the most important things that we learned, they, they teach you this when you first get there, is that uh, it, everybody is at fault in a traffic accident. And that is a wow. weird law. They wow. will, it, if you got, you're at a traffic light, you're stopped red light you're doing everything by the numbers all mm-hmm. good and someone rams into you mm-hmm. you're still liable <clears throat> excuse me you're still at fault what they say is if you weren't there you wouldn't have been part of the accident therefore you have culpability now mm-hmm. they assign percentages of culpability so you might get one or two or four percent or five percent but you're going to mm-hmm. get something simply because you were present and so they taught us then and I don't know if the laws changed since then, but they taught us then be very careful in America. You have, you know, liability can be assigned zero to full, you know, mm-hmm. but in Japan, everybody has a responsibility, even though you may have done nothing technically wrong. Your very presence is part of the problem, part of the accident, I should say. You know what, though? I'm, that's interesting to me because I wonder <clears throat> if that law was just done like as a test, even for a month in the US if it would reduce our traffic fatalities. And that's because, you know, 
people sometimes, even if it is their fault, sometimes they say, when you get an accident, don't say anything. Wait for the police to show up. Don't say a word. Don't claim that it's your fault. Don't even if you know you're clearly at fault. I wonder if everybody thought, well, I might be assigned liability even if it's not my fault. If they wouldn't be holding their phones while they're driving, I'm just wondering if it would give them a different sense of moving ahead. I don't know. That's an interesting law. Like, are there less traffic accidents in Japan? There are um, because they are professional drivers. So every driver has to go to school in order to be a driver. And so that's part of the reason why they make such a clear delineation. You are trained. You know what to do. You know how to do Mm -hmm. it. You have no, there's no excuse for you not to know the law. So that training is part of the um, society where Mm -hmm. they're being very clear. We all have a responsibility to the community, right? It's a very community-based um, society, right. communal-based society. So everyone has a responsibility to the community. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you are part of the community and you know what you're supposed to be doing, then you take responsibility for the things that you can control, which includes your uh, presence in certain potentially dangerous situations. Huh. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what about, is there any other rule that you found interesting when you were there? Oh, man, there's, there's a ton of them. <laughs> Uh, but I, <laughs> I defer only because, okay. uh, the, so the, the society is, is in many ways very similar to what we know in America, but it's also very mm-hmm. different. And right, right, pro- right. probably the thing that, um, uh, and Japanese people, please don't get mad at me. Uh, people from Japan, our fans who are listening, if you are, I'm going to call you out a little bit, but this is in, this is in love. Um, there were places that I observed or lived near where the Yakuza and the police had Mm -hmm. a very healthy dynamic. Hmm. I'll say it that way. It was a healthy dynamic. They would say um, to one another, if you act in certain ways, we won't act in other ways. And so there was peace. I got you. And that peace was very... um, robustly maintained by all parties, mm-hmm. which was weird to me because they were like, I'm not looking at this if you're not showing it to me. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm not showing you anything. Are you looking over here? And they're like, no, I'm not looking over here. So you couldn't be showing me anything, right? And that piece, <laughs> and that piece was maintained through this very healthy sort of choice that everybody made. And I witnessed it for myself. Now, again, no, nothing bad, bad, like, you know, there's no, you know, shootings or anything like that. Right, 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 right. Very peaceful society relative to America. But there were things that you go, huh, didn't -hmm. expect to see that today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know what, though, go ahead. I'm just, it just made it, but it made things clearly more peaceful than if everybody tried to be what they could be in that moment. Well, I think that what I was just going to say as you're talking is I think that's true of other more homogenous countries. So that's not something that I've heard that's unique to Japan. And I think when you get a place like the U.S., there's all these wonderful blessings, but then there's challenges too, right? Because our society is not as homogenous in terms of overall beliefs and overall uh, practices and things. I don't mean individual, you know, homogeneity. And yes, y'all, my bachelor's degree is in sociology, so I could talk about this all day. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. And here in Connecticut, um, <laughs> that stuff fascinates me. I'm such a nerd. But there's a law in Connecticut. 
that according to a 1948 article, um, well, I should actually tell you what the law is. It, uh, in Connecticut, a pickle cannot be sold unless it bounces. Oh, so okay. Oh, everyone wait, wait, wait. to take out their pickles and see if they bounce. Yeah. So, a hold yeah, a pickle, up. Wait mm -hmm. a minute. Wait. Mm -hmm. A pickle. How do you know a pickle bounces? Well, let me just tell you the history. I, I guess it has to bounce. Um, bounce, baby, bounce. According to a nineteen, you know that's where I went. That's I know. That's why I had to say it. According to a nineteen forty-eight article, this law became a necessity after two scheming pickle packers tried to sell pickles unfit for human consumption on the sly. Connecticut's Food and Drug Commissioner at the time proclaimed that a real pickle should bounce run when dropped from the height of one foot, which resulted in the new legislation. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see okay? that video of, of when they made that rule. Well, there probably wasn't a and video I would put, I would put the theme from the show, What's Happening in the Background. Oh, my gosh. As they're bouncing the I just, I'm like. If you want to look this up, this article was in the Hartford Current, which is the oldest continuously published newspaper in America. Um, yeah. So I think it might be because, uh, the, they must not have been sealed properly because you didn't get botulism. I don't, I don't actually know. I don't know what, what, why it matters that pickles aren't bouncing. If you're a pickle, if your name is Peter and you're a pied pickle, pepper, pickle, pickle eater, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook and let us know if you're a pickle specialist. Um, so if your pickles don't bounce and you happen to be in Connecticut, you need to do something about that. But don't call the police, Karen. So what's another weird law in our country, Emil? Is, is, there, a, is there a pickle police? Is there a pickle police <laughs> in Connecticut? Can they say pickled peppers, pied pepper, pickled peppers? In green outfits. Police? They just come out in green <laughs> outfits and they check your, uh, they, you know, they check I, your I, jars. I just, I just thought oh, of Oh, my gosh. Wow. Gosh, yes. Like park rangers, you know, they have like a green park ranger outfit checking pickles. Uh, what's the, what's the word for um, a pickle? I'm so it's dumb. a gherkin. What? Yeah. The gherkin G-men. Yeah. The oh, <laughs> Trust the gherkin G-men. Oh my God. Yes. Here so, come um, the G-men. Pickle I'll defenders. I'll do this one quick. I'll do this one quick. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Out in Cali. Cali. If you, um, want to eat a frog, which is okay, you may do so as long as it did not die during a frog jumping competition. Um, <clears throat> so we were talking about food, so I was looking for a food-related law, and frog jumping is super popular in California with the biggest competition in the world held annually in what's known as Calaveras County, right? So if, however, during a frog jumping competition, a frog meets its end, its mm -hmm. body must be destroyed as soon as possible and may not be used for any other purpose, including being eaten. We'll be right back. <laughs> no one else is saying about that. <laughs> <sighs> by Lawrence V. White. So the next time you go to a French restaurant 
in California and have frog legs, you can rest assured that that frog did not meet its maker after a frog jumping competition. Is that where we're at? That's where we be. <laughs> that, that look, I <laughs> I'm here for the whole mm. shooting match, <laughs> and I'm here to tell you I, that if Cali can put that law into place, then yeah, because um, they're like the 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 frog is a special and uh, it's very important to the to the Calaveras County uh, competition. And they don't want to see it stuffed or mounted or reduced to frog legs like chicken wings. <laughs> okay, here's here's an interesting one, which actually is overruled by the Constitution. And I know this. So in Massachusetts, there's no dancing to the national anthem. Um, it is prohibited to dance to the Star Spangled Banner in Massachusetts, thanks to an excessively patriotic 1917 law. So... The thing is, though, it could actually never be enforced because we have the First Amendment of the Constitution. So it's I, that, that's probably why I'm thinking like of all the I've sung the national anthem a bazillion times in Massachusetts over the years. And I'm thinking there's been people who've like, you know, like little kids even right at like a kid's baseball game who dance or whatever. I'm like, oh, they really couldn't enforce that because that would kind of impinge on free speech. But I thought that was an interesting law that can't really be enforced. So shout out Massachusetts. Please find some better things to do with your time. Yeah. I actually think it would be more interesting if we had some interpretive <laughs> dance to the national anthem. It would be. It would be more interesting. It would be. It would be more interesting. <gasps> wow. You know? And like some grangetes across the yeah. floor. Like, land of the free. And everybody goes and they jump across the, the gymnasium. That's nice. I like it. It's like, like it, you Jamie. want majesty in the song? Then add yeah. dance. <laughs> and, you know, add some dance, add some firework, the, the, the whole thing. Make it, a, make it a whole show by itself. If you're going to do oh it, go why all did, the way. Why did my, why did my brain go to 12-year-olds doing the, why did my brain go to flossing? Oh, no. 12-year-olds floss. <gasps> floss. Oh, I could see it, though. Oh, say, does that stop? And the whole, no, the whole kids' baseball team, the boys' baseball team. They break out in the floss. You know, that would make them really patriotic because they would be engaged in the song. So, you know. Yeah, and I everyone mean, would be more engaged in the song. You're not just standing they would, there right? all solemn. It's like, come on, celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I think we're on to something, the three of us. Like, why shouldn't we be dancing during the national anthem? It would get us really engaged. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay, I have one I have to tell you guys because shout out to Mississippi. <clears throat> where our father is and where Emil and I just were. And this is so Mississippi. If this ain't Mississippi, this law, I don't know what is. So in Mississippi, it is against the law to have a limit on the size of big gulps. <clears throat> I just can't right now, Mississippi. So you remember when Bloomberg, um, wow. I remember very clearly when he was um, yeah. passing the laws about you know not having too big a drink, so trying to re reduce obesity in New York City. Well, Mississippi, Governor Phil Bryant at the time, he signed a law preventing his state lawmakers from enacting rules that limit portion sizes. So you cannot limit the size of a big gulp, you know, for your Slurpee or your Pepsi or whatever. And one in three people in Mississippi is obese, not just overweight, but obese. Now, I love my Mississippi, but and I'm not saying we should legislate what people eat. I'm not saying anything anywhere. But just the fact that he was like, oh, no, if people want to have an 85 ounce big gulp, then 7-Eleven should be able to sell it. I was like. 
Wow. That, so, that sounds like a personal thing. You better right? not take away my big gulps. I think, I think, <laughs> better not. I'm like, don't we have bigger rights to worry about than right. like if, you know, right. and it was, and and it's like Bloomberg, his, Bloomberg, his skinny self. Anyway, I mean, shout out to you, Bloomberg, but I'm just saying, you probably have never had the struggles of being overweight. But um, the thing is, if if you limit the size of a drink to 40 ounces, someone could just buy two of them. So... I don't know. I just was like, you wasted the legislature's time by making this law. Like when you got kids in Mississippi, they can't even read. But anyway, they give can, me another they lie. Can, they can read a giant big gulp. They can read the ingredients in the big gulp cup because it's so big. Can they? Because it's so big. <laughs> the letters are so big. <laughs> the letters Sodium are so big. Give me my half gallon of soda, please. <sighs> because i can but that's the thing that's what i say you can they can get two or they can go back and get a free refill they can go to some place where there's free refills like come on now people all right give me a give me one email all right there's so, so many this, funny this, laws we're, we're, going, we're going back home here okay going back home oh okay in washington skimania mm -hmm. county washington uh, in 1969 <laughs> We, uh, so any of us, this is great, man. No, any of us from the Pacific Northwest, we know this legend well. Mm -hmm. Skamania mm -hmm. County emblazoned this legend in law. It is illegal mm -hmm. and it is punishable to okay. slay Bigfoot. <laughs> Slaying of Bigfoot is a felony punishable by up to five years in prison, and they have re. Uh, rewritten the law to establish Bigfoot as an endangered species. So I, those of us who are from the Pacific Northwest know Bigfoot is not just a legend. It is not just folklore. Right. It is as no, real no. as real. any real. legend can be. Real. Bigfoot is real. And we Bigfoot must not kill him. I mean, I don't know, Emil, that law kind of makes sense to me because what if some fool happened upon Bigfoot and had like, you know, uh, a nuclear detonator just just the size for Bigfoot and blew him up. And the rest of us didn't get to enjoy actually seeing him for the first time. I mean, you know, I think we have to pass that law because Bigfoot must be protected at all costs. I mean, if if we he, ever she or they. see non-grainy, clear, like, so mm -hmm. I live in a world where every mm -hmm. phone now has like 4K HD clarity. So I'm waiting for a seriously clear oh. image of Bigfoot. That is what's, I mean, there is like 7 billion phones in the world. All of them have HD or better resolution. Oh. Come on, man. No more grainy footage of Bigfoot. Let's get clarity. Let's get it in perfect picture of Bigfoot. I'm ready. And, and whoa, to, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. and yes, to um, dovetail to what it, I guess they're op reopening Loch Ness. And trying to figure that stuff out too. So I want to see some 4K of Loch Ness as well. Yes, please. And yeah. is there a uh, law Nessie. against killing Loch Ness monster too? Is there a law? Ooh. We got to discover these oh. things before someone decides to, you know, do that. You know, are you looking it up, Emil? Because I, I feel like too Loch Ness would be hard to kill. Isn't Loch Ness the one that goes that he lives under uh, water, underwater, right? Or it lives underwater? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's Scotland. Like dinosaurish. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so does it say? Do we know? I'm, I'm still typing. Okay. Yeah. It, 
I'm a, I'm a little um I'm a little surprised at my brother who doesn't believe that Bigfoot exists because the footage is grainy. I mean, I'm I'm of the ilk that like maybe <laughs> Bigfoot just doesn't appear on 4K or Ultra or anything. You know, it's like he has some kind of magic invisibility cloak that modern phones they just don't capture him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's what I see. I um so. the, I see no. <laughs> I know no laws. I see no laws right now in my <laughs> quick search. Uh, but boy, are we still putting work in. Uh, it's been 1,300 years since the Loch Ness Monster was spotted the first time. So really? we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a millennia plus. Actually, I did not know that. Yeah, there is an ordinance, it looks like, um, that if you grab any DNA from the Loch Ness then you put mm-hmm. it back in the water. <laughs> Basically, there's an ordinance on the really? books on the books saying if you get any DNA, then like oh. if you like take a sample from it, you got to put it back. Yeah. So yes, it's protecting the Loch Ness. So it does exist. That's amazing. Um, I did not realize that the Loch Ness was protected like that. And that is probably because there's a whole industry uh, dedicated to the Loch Ness. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm, um, I wanted to ask you guys what you get when you cross a librarian with a lawyer. Well, you get all the information you need, but you can't understand a word of it. <laughs> Just like we don't understand why some of these laws exist. All right. I swear every time I hear a joke like this, I'm going to take my trombone out. <laughs> and I swear to you, I'm going to do it with a plunger. You got to do it. <laughs> And that ends another episode of our show. And we're very glad to have you here. And we will talk to you again next week. Goodbye from Costa Rica and from New England. What? Don't forget to follow us at Illegal Hope and Change at Insta or email us at illegalhopeandchange at gmail.com. Bye now. Bye. If you enjoyed what you heard today on Alika Hope and Change, please head over to iTunes to rate the show and leave a review. It's really the best way for you to show your support for the show. And bonus, it costs you $0. Join the conversation on Instagram, share this episode with your friends on social media, or just tell others by word of mouth. Thank you and keep sharing hope and change.